I think, first of all, we just need to remember that a team isn't just a bunch of evangelists. So often we think, okay, it's an evangelization team. That means everyone on the team is a street evangelist. But actually, a fully grown team has evangelists, of course. But they're also going to have people who do scheduling or take care of donations or even maybe like host a Christmas party or something. And so I think if we get away from the idea that I am looking for people who are brave enough on the, you know, or aren't scared of the word evangelization and who are going to go out on that, you know, street with me, if we get away from that idea, I'm just looking for anyone who's really willing to fulfill any kind of role on the team. That's going to be a great lead for you. So you want to find people with many gifts who have a desire to serve the Lord. Welcome to Stories from the Street. I'm Brian. And I'm Beth. And today we have with us Joanne Portzer, who is an urban missionary with St. Paul Street Evangelization. And so she's going to share with us how to start a team. You know why I'm excited about having Joanne on, Beth? Why? It's because, you know, I think the human body is 60% water, right? 60, 65% water. I think Joanne is actually 99% joy and then 1% everything else. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So I don't know what her, if someone did like a couple of makeup, it's like, I haven't seen this. This is actually a physical manifestation of joy. (laughs) I know that's one of the things. That's why she's such a good evangelist. She is definitely a joyful missionary disciple. And sometimes Brian and I are working hard on something and we got to connect up with Joanne. And as soon as we connect up with Joanne, everything's lighter, everything's more joyful. Every, we all smile more. So it's always great. I'm glad to be able to have her as a guest. And what a great topic because she is an expert in getting teams started. And she's been a team leader, an urban missionary. Um, she's worked for a number of years for St. Paul Street Evangelization. So we can't find someone more expertise in the, more of an expert in this uh, topic. And if you're asking yourself, what is an urban missionary for St. Paul Street Evangelization? That wasn't a position that was created. Joanne created that for herself because <laughs> she felt so called in prayer to be full-time with St. Paul Street Evangelization. She realized that she couldn't just do it part-time, that she had to do it full-time. And there's other models of people doing ministry and needing the, to even fundraise their salary in order to be present and do the work that God's calling them to do. And Joanne just contacted Steve and said, listen, I'm being called to do this. Like, will you let me do this? Can I fundraise my salary be full-time with St. Paul Street Evangelization? And I'm not sure how Steve responded. I'm sure he was just like, sure, (laughs) let's bring you on. Let's make this possible. And what do you know? The Urban Missionary Program is created. And we have Joanne um, herself that's led completely by the Holy Spirit uh, to be in a, a full-time evangelist and full urban missionary. Uh, and she started in D.C. She moved around a little bit, but there in the Washington, D.C. area for many years. And what a blessing it was to be able to have her. And the bringer her on today of what does it take to start a successful team? Uh, she is the most qualified person that we have in our apostolate to talk about that. So I'm so excited to have her on. And it's so important because, you know, Brian and I, whenever you fill out that Get Involved form, that comes to Brian and I, and it's like, okay, here's a new person. They want to get involved, want to start a team. And we start going through the process. And sometimes it can be, um, it can be a little bit, uh, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not as hard as you think. And knowing just a few things here and there to help 
help you understand that role, help you understand what to do as a team leader. Um, it, it's, it's really all you need to give you the confidence to go out and proclaim Christ as the team leader um, in St. Paul Street Evangelization. So let's go ahead and bring Joanne on and just have her share her joy and her very story with us so that we can help our evangelists better feel equipped to be on the street. So Joanne, thank you so much for Welcome. being here today. Thank you. It's great to be here with you both. Joanne, we've been, for we've been wanting you to be on this podcast ever since we came on. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a long time. Joanne, just podcast with us. And you're like, listen, guys, I will, I promise, but maybe later. <laughs> Now's the time. Yeah. Now's the time. Well, you had it. You had a cough for the longest time, didn't you? And we just wanted that. To- yes, I got sick and all these different things happened. And you got so married. And then I got married. <laughs> yeah, I moved a couple times, I think. So it's been busy, but I have a good excuse, right? Well, it's, <laughs> no. nothing happens. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> nothing happens by coincidence. This is the time right. that the Lord right. wanted to find this podcast. It is. Right. And, and, and I'm excited to be here. So, uh, Joanne, when it comes to uh, being a team leader with St. Paul Street Evangelization, I'm the one who did a short introduction with you, but I know you've been with mm-hmm. us since 2014. Uh, would you want to share yourself yes. how you even heard about St. Paul Street Evangelization and, and talk about your story and what drew you to get so involved? Yeah, I love that question, actually, because I was working at a school. I had a desire to share the faith with other people. And I wanted a really practical, easy way to do it. And I didn't know what to do. And one day a coworker asked me if I would go to a bus stop and hand out some pamphlets about an event at a Catholic church. And I said, that's a great idea. I'll go for sure, you know? And then as we got closer to the event, (laughs) I started getting pretty scared. And the day came and Steve picked me up and we went with another friend to this bus stop and we were going to hand out these pamphlets. And I was really terrified. And I was thinking, I don't know these people. This is crazy. I can't do this. Uh, but when we got out and I really let, I let this guy named Steve, not Steve Dawson, another Steve do all the talking. And I just smiled the whole time. And they went, yeah, yeah, <laughs> for everything Steve said to these people. And they responded amazingly. And they said, oh, I'd, be, I'd love to go. Or I've been wanting to go back to church. And this is a great opportunity. And I was just amazed. And when I saw how simple it was, I thought to myself that I would have to find other ways to do this. So I started looking for other opportunities. And I found a few in the Baltimore and Washington area where a group here, a group there would do this. And then I heard about St. Paul Street Evangelization. And someone said, you got to watch the YouTube video with Steve, on, Steve Dawson on there. So I did. And I was amazed. And my immediate reaction about Steve and Adam were, those are my friends. <laughs> I'm friends with them. Of course. <laughs> it wasn't, I want to work with them or this. It was just, they're my friends. And it was because like everything they were saying was what was burning in my own heart that we need to be practical. It doesn't have to be difficult. And, you know, we can do this kind of attitude. So when I saw Steve on there, you know, recommending that we give him a call to start a team, I went ahead and did it. And sure enough, like I was contacted shortly after. I mean, we received a response shortly after. It was very uh, simple process, really, that I worked through to start the team. They uh, accompanied me the whole way. And I know that's, that's how we do it now as well. But that's how I got involved. And 
I've never looked back. <laughs> it's been very so, Joanne, when you first inquired, was that you asking to be an urban missionary? Or that was just you asking to be a team leader? No, I just asked to be a team leader. I would have joined the team if there had been one in my town, but there wasn't one in my town. So that's why I asked to be a team leader. And then it was after doing the team leading that I realized I just was really thirsty to do this full time, but I had another job. So that created a problem. <laughs> I just couldn't be everywhere at once, right? It was exhausting me. And so I was talking with my spiritual director. I was praying about it. And finally, um, we, we really realized the Lord was calling me into it full time. And that's how that that event happened that you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Did I, did I nail this incorrectly? What was Steve's response when, when, when he said, when you called him and, and share with him what you felt God was calling you to do, how did he respond to that? Well, it was actually Adam okay. because he was in charge of like projects. <laughs> and I actually had applied to be a regional missionary first and I enjoyed doing that. Um, but it wasn't as full time as I would like it to be. And so um, that's when I contacted Adam and said, if you would just hire me, I could take care of all your problems for you. <laughs> I tried to be very convincing. <laughs> and he said, um, okay, that's interesting. And, and uh, he didn't really respond right away, but I was sending him little emails like that. <laughs> and then finally, I, I really... I called him and I told him that, you know, um, I couldn't live without evangelizing. And so this was a matter of life or death for me. (laughs) And so he said, well, it seems to me that you really have this vocation. And so he was willing to work with me on it and to work something out so that I could do this full time. So that's what happened, actually. Wow. That's (laughs) That's pretty close to you know exactly what happened <laughs> and, and your joy and enthusiasm was so apparent it was not very hard although you had to do the work um, you were able, right. able to find people that would partner with you in this mission and that was how you raised yeah. your salary right those people a lot of people would love to be doing what we do or you know engaging people on the street not everyone has the time And so when they find someone who is willing and just desiring to go out and share the good news, they're happy to back you up, you know, and to be a part of that team. So it's not just me uh, doing the work. It's all of my supporters with me. That's wonderful. That's great. That's wonderful. And so even, so Joanne, you've been doing this now, as you mentioned, since 2014. So um, four years now. Right. And you've learned a lot, I'm sure, in your time out on the street. But what, when someone's discerning about their own call to be a team leader, I know you, you felt called mm-hmm. to be an urban missionary, but taking a step back and just saying, yes, I just feel called yeah. to be out on the street and to lead a team. What qualities would you say you makes wanna- a great team leader? I think that's a great question. A great team leader isn't just excited about getting out on the street and evangelizing. I think more than that, the team leader really wants to establish a team that's going to be around for a long time and a team that's going to be strong enough to survive. Even if that team leader has to move away or something happens to the team leader, they can't be involved anymore. So I think a great team leader should be looking for awesome people to join the team and then work to get full involvement of those members. So when I started my Maryland team, I did a lot of, well, I did all of the work at first, really, of ordering supplies and scheduling outings. But then as the team grew, 
I slowly looked for two teammates who had gifts for these jobs and I asked them to help me. And I think that's really wonderful because people want to help. They want to invest themselves. That's why they're there. And it does take time for this to happen because you don't want to force the wrong job on the wrong person. You really want to look for their gifts. But over time, you're going to be able to find that the Lord is going to send you people who have certain gifts. So I think that's I, another thing about the team leaders, that they'll be patient and not yeah, to let I, the happen. I'm sorry. I like the way you said that, um, the different jobs that... Um, it, it, it's not the first thing. They don't walk in and say, okay, you're in charge of scheduling outings. You're in charge of communication. You're in charge of supplies, but you, you're patient and you let those gifts kind of come up. So at the beginning, right. for almost any team, the team leader might be in charge of doing everything. And right. as, as they grow and the people on their teams can, can, you know, step into these different roles and help the team leader, you know, to do other things. Right. I, I totally agree. And, it, and like you said, it, it takes perseverance. And sometimes that it's really hard because you think, oh, it's been six months and I don't have, you know, everyone helping me yet. And but I think if you have like more of a long term vision, say, OK, you know, this might take a few years. But over that time, you know, the Lord will provide. And do you see that the the team team members who are doing different things, do they, do they have like more skin in the game per se? Like they're more invested in the team so they continue to do other things? I think, I think so. I think it makes a difference when they're able to give of their time or their particular gifts. I think that really helps them get excited about our mission more and, you know, they show up more and, you know, you're in contact with them more and you're a- because of that, you're able to love on them more and you're able to encourage them more, right? So the more interaction you have for whatever reason is always a positive thing. And um, sometimes like we think the team leader is just a head evangelist on outings, but no, they're relating to all these different people and encouraging them. And I think growing together in their desire to spread the good news. I mean, just very practically speaking, Joanne, like how would you say that you can form a lasting team? I know there are a lot of team leaders out there who began with the desire to have a lasting team, but really found it hard to fulfill it. And maybe just maybe lost confidence and just remained by them, started evangelizing by themselves or just maybe with one other person. Um, So what are practical steps that you can really share and grow your team? Uh, I think, first of all, we just need to remember that a team isn't just, a bunch of evangelists. So often we think, okay, it's an evangelization team. That means everyone on the team is a street evangelist, but actually a fully grown team has evangelists, of course, but they're also going to have people who do scheduling or take care of donations or even maybe like host a Christmas party or something. And so I think if we get away from the idea that I am looking for people who are brave enough on the, you know, or aren't scared of the word evangelization and who are going to go out on that, you know, street with me, if we get away from that idea, and I'm just looking for anyone who's really willing to fulfill any kind of role on the team, that's going to be a great lead for you. So you want to find people with many gifts who have a desire to serve the Lord. So obviously when you're small like this and you're beginning, you want to remain really spiritually rooted in prayer, like daily prayer, Daily dependence on the Lord is so crucial because when you spend a lot of time with him, he, I would say he molds your heart. 
um, when you hang out with them, you start to smell like them. <laughs> I've heard people say. <laughs> yeah, that's they, a great way. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and people are attracted to that, but also he'll suggest things to you that you may not think of yourself. You know, he might suggest put on your heart to invite a particular person into your team or just even talk to a particular priest, you know? So okay. I would say for these small teams of one or two is really remain rooted in prayer and then my number two suggestion is to sit down and brainstorm about people you know who are intentional disciples of Jesus. Like maybe it's someone from your parish who goes to daily mass. Maybe it's someone you see at adoration or works at a soup kitchen. Any, any kind of way that you might uh, discern that, you know, they are really following the Lord intentionally. And then you just sit down with that person and share the fruit of your outings with that person. But oh, you just got to let them know. Yes. Yeah, just let them know what kind of things happen on the street, make it, you know, flesh it out for that person that this is happening. And like real, real lives, real people are being affected by your being there. That is simply by your presence there, people's lives are being affected and ask this, ask them if they'd be willing to come out and even just stand there or sit there and pray while you do all the work, you know, and that <laughs> way, even if you're a team of one, you're now a team of two because you've got someone out there with you praying and you're doing all the talking, but they're going to see, you're going to have the fruit of all that prayer and they're going to see how easy it is. And so it's really hard for them. Yeah. I, I was just talking to a team leader and he's like, I don't know who I can't find anyone that wants to go out. People are interested in evangelization, but no one wants to go out. And I said, those people that are saying, yeah, that's a great thing for somebody else. Um, ask mm -hmm. them to be on your team as your prayer, a part of your prayer partners. And he goes, what do you mean? Yeah. And, but I love the fact that you said, even take them out to pray while you do the work and have the yeah. And the other important thing was sharing the fruits of the evangelization with them so that they, right. they see that it's real. So right. th those are great ways to help encourage people that are, aren't quite ready, but they have a heart for it, but they just need a little more encouragement. And there were a couple yeah. things we just podcasted with Randy, who's here in the Detroit area, who we said the encouragement can actually come from maybe leading a basic evangelization training and giving them confidence about mm -hmm. what it looks like to do it in that sense. But the other thing, Joanne, you, you've been mm -hmm. mentioning a lot of different roles that a team may have. Uh, would you mm -hmm. define, if, if you're the team leader, other things that you can, mm -hmm. how you can invite other people to participate as evangelists? How to invite them? Um, maybe not, not specifically the invitation, but what are the different roles that? Oh, the different roles. The different roles oh, that you sure. would invite them and how they can participate on their on your team. Right, I think that's a great point because often we do think, oh, it's just a team of evangelists. So there, of course, just the team leader, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's you know what we need to begin. But and then there are the evangelist not with you the faithful catholic who wants to share his faith with you but there's also um often we need someone as the team grows to schedule outings and to look for places to do the outings so someone might be have keeping an eye out for festivals or flea, mar flea markets or just you know keeping an eye out for another place to do it a, a great place because you always want to find the best place in your area and then I would always, you know, recommend that there is a coordinator. So that is someone who's going to send out the word about when the outings are and making sure that the schedule is filled 
and so that there's enough people out on each outing. Um, so we always have to have two, um, and that can be the team leader and a prayer person if that needs to be at the start. But as you grow, you know, you might have a lot of people and you just want to make sure that schedule is taken care of. And so you also might have someone who is simply, you know, uh, contacting other team members to remind them occasionally just that of what's going on, keeping um, connected with them. So like I said, a team leader can do all these things at first, but as they grow, you want to, you want people to rejoice in this work with you. Mm-hmm. And also you want, um, you want a prayer outreach coordinator. That's someone who is going to ask prayers of maybe religious communities or, you know, different um, parishes or prayer teams because you want all the prayer you can get. And, but then there's the actual prayer warrior. There's also on your team, um, someone who will just be praying while you go out on your outing. So again, you may not have that at first, but as you start looking uh, for people to help you, you can say, Hey, you know, uh, I know that you are suffering and you're in the nursing home, but I would be so, I feel so privileged if you join our team as a prayer warrior. Right. So it's really wonderful. And then of course, yeah. And I think it's the truth that that team is going to be powered by those prayers. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you need a spiritual advisor eventually. That's a priest who will um, come alongside the team, take it under its wing. And it's just a trusted priest who's willing to um, be there if you ever have an occasion for a moral question and also just maybe for direction or to support your local activity. Right. So there's these different things, you know. There's one other there's one that you didn't, you didn't mention. Oh, okay. You forgot sure. to mention the hospitality coordinator. The one that sure, yeah. <laughs> Again, it's that Christmas party person. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's important to get together and fun. Right. <laughs> I mean, I know this wonderful woman who has this beautiful home and she loves to invite people to her home and welcome them in. And, you know, she has this great gift for hospitality. And she may not have time to go out on an outing. Um, you know, maybe she has, she has a bunch of kids and so forth, but she has this big farm and she loves to have people over there and she loves to be have, you know, provide it as a gift. So someone like that can be part of your team. Oh, and man. A very at, important fir- at first, when you were describing this person, I thought you were talking about Beth. <laughs> I know. I was, I was I, like, Joanne, are you alluding to Beth? And then I was like, Oh, that's not on a farm. I knew that it must sound exactly like Beth. So I had to clarify. <laughs> Talk about the farm. <laughs> but it's an important, it is an important role to get together with your team, not just we evangelize and we disperse, but to get together right. for, for fun or occasionally, um, right. or even just to wrap up after and just, even if it's just over a cup of coffee after or something. Uh, and, absolutely. And that. Right. So, right. You, know, you just mentioned uh, all these roles that can actually develop, you know, as evangelists, all these coordinator positions that you can actually delegate and help help there be more activity so it's not all on a volunteer team leader to make uh, an outing and all your outings happen. But what encouragement right. would you and advice would you give to our smaller teams that are just beginning? Well, I would say to our small teams to look to the future but enjoy where you're at. It's really fun to start out as a small team, actually. You have a lot of ease in your scheduling because there's just a couple of you, and you can play around with locations to evangelize without involving a lot of people. It's a great time to experiment, 
with times and places to see where you find it most fruitful. And you can also, you know, try offering different giveaways. Like some locations you might find do better with rosaries, others with miraculous medals or crucifixes on chains and so forth. So to the small teams that are just beginning, I would just say take the time when you are a small team to go over your training material, try out different icebreakers, you know, take heart because you will grow, but you're at a, a great place in your journey right now and to enjoy it, you know, test different waters and, and gradually invite others to join you. So this is a great time for learning and um, kind of experiments, you know, and, and then seeing how the Lord is going to provide for you as you grow. So I think it's just a great place to be knowing that there's more to come. I know, you just got me excited to start a team. of a couple people and like praise god you know making it more big and structured inviting more people to be part of it is definitely great and a wonderful thing that all of our teamers should be open to you know as they grow and to help things more evangelization happen within their city but starting out is a lot of fun it is and you have this special camaraderie between you and the other initial team members you know it's it's just a lot that you share together and it's something beautiful. I think the Lord forms there between you. So Joanne, is, do I have this number correct? It, I don't know if this was a typo. You said that you have 550 hours of street evangelization experience. Oh, of course. <laughs> that, is, that is amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, you had asked me for that number or best asked <laughs> me for that number. And I had never, tried to calculate it, but I started thinking, well, I wanted to count the times that were actually with teens, right? So I think it's something like that. That is and that is amazing. And it's never the, been born. <laughs> it's always exciting. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And that I mean now this podcast stories from the street, let's let's get into your stories. Like can you just share with us some of your favorite stories of your five hundred and fifty hours of being out there on the street? Sure. <laughs> well, of course, there. so there's different kinds of stories. Maybe I should let you choose. There's the humorous ones. Um, there's the conversion stories. And then there's, you know, just crazy stories. <laughs> but maybe I'll give you, you can't one. You can make me choose. Those one. all sound great. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, okay. I, I would love, actually, I mean, I think most of the time when we think of stories from the street, I, I initially just think of conversion stories, right? Because that's, that's what's really bringing us out there. We want uh, funny stories will right. happen, but our whole purpose is to help bring people into a relationship with Christ and his church. And so when I think, when I initially think of stories, I think of conversion, but what funny stories do you have? <laughs> and crazy. <laughs> well, and crazy, I know. I want to hear those too. <laughs> I, the funny thing is that you go out like with this purpose and sometimes you're afraid to go out even, or you don't want to go out because you have a headache that day or you're tired or whatever, whatever reason our enemy has planted in front of us. And then you go out and you have a blast and you find yourself laughing at the end at this, this happened and this happened. And then you find yourself amazed and just kind of dumbfounded that the Lord would use you um, in such an easy way to bring about like the conversion of somebody. Okay. So I've never seen someone go straight from being an atheist to a, <laughs> a sacramentalized Catholic in one outing, of course. Right. But I have seen a lot of major steps happen. And one was with a wonderful, nice, young um, Muslim man. 
And he at first actually was not so interested in talking to me. And we were at a bus stop. I had offered him a rosary. He had declined. And and then we got into this little bit of a conversation. And I really, what I've discovered is I ask people everything I can about themselves. So And I let them talk to me. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think just something very important yeah. has happened because a lot of our teams, when we go out there and we're offering rosaries, uh, if someone says no, a lot of times that could easily just end the conversation. How do you keep a conversation going after someone turns down a rosary? Well, if they don't want a rosary and you they, chase them down, um, tackle them. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, really, I really respect them. So if they walk by me and they say no, and I just let, you know, I say, okay, you know, I just, I wish them well. And mm-hmm. I ask the Lord to bless them. Right. But, but sometimes they're standing right next to me, you know, because I'm at a bus stop mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and they're not going anywhere and I'm not going anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've asked them if they want the rosary and they say no. And I say, oh, okay. And uh, I'll say, well, have you ever seen one before? But very casually, I keep it the tone, very casual and upbeat, very conversational so that we're having a conversation. It's very natural. So they want to answer that. Like, oh, no, I've never seen one before. And they, oh, okay. Well, and I'll say, you know, I know that Muslims um, have prayer beads. Can you tell me about those? Because those, I wonder if they're similar at all. And I let them talk about it. And then I'm saying, oh, okay, well, there's a difference. This is our difference. This is what we use them for. And this is the God we are speaking to. And he's a trinity, you know? So Yeah, I'm very sorry to interrupt. We can get back to the story of the man that you were describing. (laughs) But I just thought that was cool. Yeah, just casually offered a rosary, said no. And then he just, (laughs) we just kept talking. So I was just wondering how that happened. They're sitting next to each other. That's a great location. That is a great location. (laughs) Yes. So I, what, I, rem- I recommend that. Just sit next to people. Well, it was really beautiful because I was able to ask him how he understood God, really. And he talked to me about God. And, and I said, well, do you have any relationship with him as your father? And, and he said, no. And I said, well, do you miss that? And he said, well, what do you mean? You know, so this conversation went from saying no to me asking him questions, right? And then he started asking me questions and said, well, you know, I, I hear you're Christian. If you're Christian, I don't understand the crucifixion. And then he started having questions for me. It was really amazing because they said, you know, we understand God as a very humble God. And he's not out to just take us in his power, but he's a gentleman and he died for us, you know, and I went, I went kind of for the angle of God's humility. And he was so struck by that. At the end of the conversation, his bus came and he didn't want to leave. He wanted to keep that conversation going. And it was just one of those hundreds of, of conversations they've had that start out with a no. And at the end, they really want to learn more and they're taking pamphlets from me, you know, and, and, and information and they have that, that hungry look in their eyes and they feel like, you know, that they're, they're finally eating something that is so nourishing for them. And I say that, so that's one story out of many that you see, just that you begin with a, some, with a negative response and you just turn into a conversation and at the end, you know, they're hungering for more. So I feel, I've seen a lot of that. So was that um, the conversion story? 
So uh, we still have no. funny and crazy. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, funny is a lot on, of though. funny. Before we yeah. go on, I wanted to point out what when you're telling that story, what really struck yeah. me is that you were listening well to what he was saying, you know, let, in a normal conversation that you were truly invested in, um, out of love. Yeah. And you were able to ask the pinpoint question that I heard was, do you miss that? You know, hey. asking about the father, knowing God as a father. No, I don't. And instead of just going on with that, you, it was kind of a probing question, but one that opened up his heart. Do you miss that? Right. You know, and that's right. as an evangelist, as you have more of these conversations and you're led by the spirit, of course, you start to see these little openings where you can, um, can dive in a little bit, a little bit more personal, but not in a, um, not in a way that you're like imposing on this, you know, it's just, a, mm -mm. you know, I'm, I think when you're vulnerable with them, they'll be vulnerable with you. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, oftentimes my question is, is what if it's true? You know, if they say, I don't believe mm. that I'm just like, well, what if it's true? What if God did that? You know, just something to, mm. to that's about. great. That's, that was really um, wise to be able to, you know, to be able to ask that other question. So we're going to hear funny now. Right. <laughs> I got a lot of funny. Do you really? Um, yeah. Right? I would love to. Let's hear a funny one. <laughs> Well, there's, uh, well, one time I had a, a woman and she, uh, this nice lady, she walked by really and, and she kind of gave me a, an evil eye, so to speak. And she said, I said, would you like a free rosy? She's like, no. So uh, I turned around and I said a Hail Mary. And immediately she came right back and said, can I have a rosary? <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is amazing. Another time, I think I've told this story a lot because I love it so much, but um, I was at the entrance to a metro station and a man walked by and I asked him if he would like a rosary and he said he, he declined and he went into this, the tunnel leading to the train and two or three minutes later, he came back and he said, you know, I could use some information on that because I have one of those tattoos on my chest. <laughs> so really, I didn't know I would never guess. Yeah, a rosary. Um, I, I couldn't see it because he had his shirt on. But, you know, he was quite convinced that's exactly what he had tattooed on his chest. Oh and he didn't know what and it was. I was done. He didn't know what it was. And so that was the amazing thing is, you know, <laughs> how the Lord works. Another time I was on the on on a bus and there was a woman next to me who was on the phone with her doctor and was receiving bad news. So I asked her when she hung up if she would like a miraculous medal. And so I explained to her what it was and she was really thrilled. And then the guy behind me pipes up to the lady and says, Hey, what is that? <laughs> and so she explains it and he said can i have it <laughs> oh my gosh right and so i said i turned i said do you want your own <laughs> I steal did she so give him I, hers I, uh, he was about to give hers away and so then we had this great conversation you know right there on the bus and the three of us and he, none of them were neither of them was catholic but they were open. And that's the thing. People love 
to be loved, right? And they love to be heard and they love to receive a gift. And if you are offering those, you know, people are really receptive. And especially if you're just normal or as normal as you can be for whoever you are, mm-hmm. you know, and act yourself, you know, no one's normal. I feel because I'm, no one isn't totally normal. <laughs> right. But if you just act yourself, people will love you for that, right? And mm-hmm. they'll respond to you. So, yeah, so there's lots of funny things that happen, which give me a lot of joy, you know, when I think about it. I think just one of the things you said really struck me was a beautiful part about this apostolate. There's only one story, right? There's only uh, one proclamation of the gospel. And unless we're proclaiming Jesus Christ, you know, and the fullness of his, you know, life, death and resurrection and our, our possibility and what our invitation to live in relationship with now and for him forever in heaven, like that's, that's what we're proclaiming. We're out there on the streets, but it's, we're all, when it, when it becomes our story, it might just take a little bit different nuance. Um, not that not yeah. the message itself is different, but the way we proclaim it uh, might have a little personal touch um, because we ourselves Absolutely. are in a living relationship with Christ. And so when we're speaking from a living relationship, it becomes personal. And, and that's the way that we as evangelists and, and team leaders, when we're out there on the street, are able, the, that's where the authenticity will come through is I'm not just telling you. And you know, a lot of times when you see big street corners, they're preaching at you and it's not, it doesn't come across as this authentic, like I'm like loving way to engage people. It comes across as um, a very cold hearted. um, uh, I don't know. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Like this, the opportunity to proclaim the gospel in your own way is flowing from that living relationship. And it just, yeah, we are yeah. all broken. And if we have any healing in us or any strength, it's from the Lord. And I think when we realize that, that's when we want to share what the Lord has done for us with others. And so you're coming from that place of, I am broken. I've been broken, but he's healing me. He has healed me. And I want to share what he can do for you, you know. And, you know, and that's true with being a team leader, too. And I can say that, you know, being vulnerable and broken myself, that when I was in Maryland, it was very, it was a long process, a number of years to get that team going. But you start out small. And I'm in Ohio now. And I'm at that small state again. And it's, and I find it hard, you know, even, even though I teach others how to lead and build teams, I find it hard, too. You know, I have to be patient and and I have to bring my brokenness to the Lord and my impatience to the Lord, you know, and say, encourage me, Lord. I'm at that small stage again, you know. Help me to do the things that I'm teaching others to do, you know. And so I think we just have to approach the, our whole mission work, you know, from evangelist to team leader to whatever role you have is, okay, this is, this is me in my poverty, but the Lord's going to work through me if I just, if I just let him. Patience, mm-hmm. like you said, patience. Patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes patience. It does. Yeah. It really does. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Joanne, one of the things that we just wanted to go back to is you were talking about all these great things of these stories that have come from the street of just that encouragement for those who are just starting, um, of starting a full and lasting team. Um, what would you say that they can do now to, in order to do that? 
instead of just a team of two getting getting a little bit keeping it keeping it growing <laughs> and, and energized I think the very first thing to do is go to a priest and ask him to have a mass offered for the growth of your team. Very simple, most powerful thing you can do. And then secondly, you know, to actually pick out one person and share what you're doing with just one person and asking them to join your team as a prayer person or just to join you on one outing. And I say one because it always starts with one. And once that person has, once you have that one person, then the two of you are going to share that joy with each other and, and go forward in, in growth together. That's great advice. So you don't worry about getting 10 people. Start with one. No. Okay. Right. I think it's very personal that with all the experience I had getting new team members in Maryland, when I look back, I think there were about 50 or 60 team members on our team when we, when I left. Um, and the team's still great. It's still going and it's still doing well. But when I look back, it's not from the bulletin announcements that I got the people who stayed. It was the one-on-one conversations. It was going to friends, going to someone that I, was intentional disciple and sharing that with them. It was the one-on-one conversations that led to lasting team members, team members that were really involved. So I definitely think that's the way to go. That's really helpful. That's great. Yeah. Joanne, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Wonderful that we finally were able to pull it off, right? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't to say, Beth, was there anything else you wanted to add? No, no, I think it was great. Um, Joanne, it's always so fun to talk with you and your experience. I just Thank there, you. Like, oh my gosh, that's good. Such good work. And, and your love of the Lord is, it's just so, it's just so obvious that it's the Lord working in and through you. And that's how you're successful in this by letting, by, by yielding to the Lord. And you've done that. So thank you. Absolutely. And, and sometimes that you don't feel successful just to put in there, the Lord's still using you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. So be patient. <laughs> be patient. Be- but thank you very much. It's a great fun to be able to have this conversation with you both. Uh, thanks again for everybody for listening. Uh, this is St. Paul Street Evangelization, where we're training, equipping and mobilizing Catholics for the extraordinary work of evangelization in order to save souls. See you next time. God bless you. God bless.